Hey there, Master Builders and Gothamites, and welcome to another fortnightly episode of War Starts at Midnight. I'm Chris Gallagher. And I'm Jacob Graves. On today's show, we, your favorite furious film-loving dynamic duo, have a review of the Caped Crusaders building block blockbuster, the Lego Batman movie. Then find out who's looking to score the Sacred Ceramic Championship Coffee Cup as we roll into the final week of award season of the Midnight Warrior Fantasy Movie League. And finally, we'll wrap up the show as we always do with some really rad recommendations. But first... Joining us today, as is typically the case when discussing Batman, is our ward. The kids call him Joey Dale. Uh, kids can be cruel. Oh, ouch. Welcome, uh, welcome back, Joe. Hey, the only reason I'm here is I saw a, a big signal outside. Yeah. It just drew me right in. I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Been meaning to get that fixed. Yeah. What's the icon on the, on the Dale signal? It's... <laughs> I was going to say it's just a big D, but we all know that's not the case. <laughs> well, we're off to a good start. Yeah. Um, so a couple of pieces of, of news that I wanted to discuss up top. Uh, first being something that Joey brought to my attention last night, and that is um, they are they are making a live action Lion King movie as uh, Disney seems to be want to do with their you know old properties, updating them. And uh, they have announced Simba. I assume this is the Matthew Broderick older Simba. And it is Donald Glover. Oh, that's awesome because I don't have to dream cast him in it. I can real life cast him <laughs> in it. This is amazing. And um, yeah, I, I like I don't really have much to, to say about it other than uh, this is great. Um, James Earl Jones is repri- reprising his role as uh, as his father. And um, I'm, I'm quite excited about this. But another piece of news more relevant to our discussion here today is uh, it is news is broken. Rumors have broken that Ben Affleck, who had already stepped back from directing the Batman, the forthcoming uh, standalone Batman movie uh, in the very tumultuous DC movie verse. Um, There are rumors now that he wants to step away from Batman completely and maybe not even play the Batman in the Batman. Um, So what do you guys think about this? I mean, right now this is unsubstantiated. There are no like real big sources saying, you know, Affleck is definitely, you know, wavering or, or faulting. But what do you think about this? Mm. Let's start this way. When it was first announced that he was going to play Batman, yeah. I was I was pretty upset. I didn't think he could pull it off. I, I think that's everyone and then who's I ever been announced saw, to play Batman. Though. Well, yeah, that's true. Except for George Clooney. Everyone was really excited for that. Uh, and then when I saw Batman v Superman... He wasn't the problem with that movie. I, it's the I character. Think, yeah, he, th- he plays like he's he's good. That character is terrible. That character is a buffoon. He's an emo Batman. He's very but emo is he gonna, Batman. Is he going to be better in the Justice League? Well, is- and that that's the thing that's that's really weird is like he's still he is Batman in Justice League. Justice League comes out later this year, I think. Yeah, I think in the in the fall. So it would be like and maybe it's just like he's seeing the writing on the wall and he's like this is not it's working not going anywhere like let's let's just hang up and start over i'm i'm going to leave um but i, I feel I, like ben you, affleck got super lucky and super blessed to become batman and for him to just step away means terrible things for the franchise yeah i think cuz wasn't he, did he write the batman or his, he, is he, he writing he, he co-wrote it with his partner yeah um whose name escapes me right now but yeah matt like, damon and is that, it matt damon that it was not matt damon how you like um, them apples 
there there was a rumor uh, floating around that maybe he stepped back so that Matt Damon could direct. I think that has been proven proven false. But that Wait, that was a he weird... stepped back so Matt Damon could be Batman. I just feel like there's got to be something going on if it's to the point where because he seems like he gets the he gets Batman, mm-hmm. and it seems like he was really invested and excited to play Batman. Yeah, and for him to be like I. I can't direct this. I only want to act in it. And now for it to come out and be like, Hey man, they're saying he doesn't even want to act in it. Yeah. I feel like Zack Snyder's probably pulling some puppet strings and really starting to, but well, the, I mean that that's maybe the problem is Zack Snyder's marrying that show is not great. He's he, he, he bought some really expensive puppets, but does not know how to use them. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm the, the thing about DC is they, they claim to be the place that kind of fosters more, auteur creativity of their directors. They have yet to really prove that it's, it seems like they entice directors in by saying that. And then, and then behind the scenes, you know, or in the cutting room, like start changing stuff up. And, uh, I mean, if I was, if I was Affleck, I would not be excited to direct it. Like, because I, it seems like maybe he thought he was getting Nolan Car Blanche right. coming in, and then seeing, you know, because this would be his third Batman movie now. Seeing how things have gone, probably maybe, maybe not. So, who directed Justice League? Is it Snyder? Snyder. Yeah. Was was the studio that involved in the Nolan in the Nolan flicks? Um, I mean, I, I think they were around enough to say like, don't don't screw it up. But by the end, I'm pretty sure he had he had final cut on the last two. I'm pretty positive. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so, and, and, you know, it worked to some extent and then didn't to others. So it is, um, it is hard to make a movie inside of a cinematic universe as a director. Just look at Edgar Wright fleeing Ant-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but that's, that's a whole nother, I mean, as we've said before on the show, Marvel kind of runs their, their shop, like it's a television show and directors are not really the creative voice to drive it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just the vehicle to get it done. Um, DC has claimed to be something different, but they haven't proven that that's been successful. I'm sure I've said this before, but I think the way that Marvel treats their movies more like comic books is really what sets those movies apart and makes them better. Well, but they treat their movies like Marvel comic books. Yeah. And DC comic books are not the same thing. No, but there's still a lot more, I would say not a lot, but more lighthearted than at least the last two oh, certainly, movies have been. certainly. And, and I mean, that's, that's true. And you could, the, and the thing that I've said on the show several times in the past is the thing that I like about Batman is he can, he can be very multiple things. He can exist in multiple forms. And, um, this form is just not fun or exciting. Okay. So now that we've beat this to death for probably the fourth or fifth i think i feel like every time we come on the show (laughs) it's me just crapping on Zack snyder or the dark knight rises like that's it we could probably just do a spinoff show where it's just me and a microphone making fun of all of this for hours on hours i I would listen to that show but then we will have our listeners call in and vote whether or not we kill you (laughs) (laughs) i'm okay with that okay um so so now that we've talked about about that end of the rumor let's let's say that he does uh let's say that Ben Affleck does step away from the cow. Mm-hmm. Who who would you like to see replace him? A Donald Glover. <laughs> ah, besides Donald Can Glover. Ah, uh, this game is too easy. As long as Donald Glover is young, it's going to be hard to answer anybody else. But I'll go with Danny Pudi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's already played Batman. That's I'll true. bet he's Batman now. So... <laughs> Um, that's, I'm actually going to piggyback on that and, uh, completely, I'm, I'm going to pivot and completely negate your, your question and say, 
I at this point, like if Justice League is a total disaster, I think it's a good time for them to just say, okay, something new, something different. Um, and I, I, I've got a buddy at work who, um, I think he's the one that, that brought this up, but we've discussed this a few times. Um, he thinks that it's about time for a Dick Grayson Batman movie. Um, and I think that would be Joey is Joey is really upset right now. Um, if you want to do a Nightwing movie, I'd totally be on board with that. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe that as well. Like here's, have you read, have you read black mirror? No. Okay. He loaned me this a few months ago and, um, it, it was really my first venture into the Grayson Batman at any like length. I'm pretty sure and on the internets, they call him Dick Bats. Dick Bats. <laughs> okay. Well, Dick Bats, I, I think Dick Bats might be exactly what this series needs or this franchise needs, which is to say, okay, let's hang up this thing that we're, we, because they're still writing on Nolan's Batman sort of, but they're, they've taken it to a weird, perverse, dark place. Um, Hang, hang that up. Focus on something different. Dick Bats has his own sort of he has a different inner turmoil than the Bruce Wayne Batman. And there's plenty to mine there that could be exceptional if handled correctly. Um, I think you could say the same with Nightwing, though. And, and sure. But my, my point is, let's let's pivot away from the. Because right now we're, we're in a place where we just expect Batman. A Batman movie is going to be around because. Uh, superhero movies are still doing bukus of money and Batman is the big known DC property. Um, and it's just like, let's think outside the box. Let's get a little different than just going at the same sort of well, thing. Uh, isn't that the argument is it's the same tropes over and over again and they're getting tired. So why not take Batman in a different direction? I'd be, I'd be fine with that as well. I don't know if they would be willing to do it. I, that my, I'm, I'm thinking more from a studio standpoint, yeah. they, they'd be, because I would love to see, you know, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips about, I think it's eh, close to 10 years ago, maybe even more now. Um, they did an iteration. It was a one-off Elseworld called, I think Batman noir or dark Knight noir or something like that, where it's like, I think post World War II, Commissioner Gordon is a veteran with PTSD. It's sort of set in a noir world. I think that would be really interesting to embrace, you know, you because you could still do the sort of darker, gritty thing that DC seems to like, but it also exists in this uh old school world, sort of like the gothic yeah. burden, you know, but but still combining those existing as its own thing, that could be cool to to look at as and so, and, and here's the thing is like when the Batman was announced, my, my big excitement was, okay, maybe this will just be a Batman in his prime, just doing Batman things. Yeah. I just want to see really good, compelling Batman. I don't need stuff connected. Well, and that's my thing. Like, why don't you just give me one good Batman movie where he actually is the world's greatest detective where he, yes. where he actually is kicking the crap out of everyone. And you don't just get these, I think the dark Knight did it best with the fight scenes. But even those, they felt a little bit lacking, and I understand it's hard and to do. But. Those are those are kind of hard to follow because they're cutting around so much, and it's so dark. You kind of lose who's punching who. Right. You just know there's some punches thrown. Eh, whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I like. I like Chris's answer because my answer was going to be: we need to pretend the last couple movies haven't happened and let Joseph Gordon-Levitt just step in. No. Oh. I'm, um, I'm that's, sorry, that's, guys. That's its own. That's its own sort of uh ball of weirdness okay okay, okay. Um, just give me this much i'm gonna throw this out there i'm gonna see what you guys think 
John Hamm as Bruce Wayne slash the Batman. I'm as in. as like as like over the hill like like not not Dark Knight Returns Bruce Wayne, but as like you could put him in the same word Ben Affleck is now Bruce yeah. Wayne because I don't want another origin story. I've seen it twelve I'm, times. I'm almost sure that I I don't know if I've said this on the show, but I'm almost sure Hunter and I have had this discussion before because like when when Mad Men was was coming to a close, it was like what does he do now? Bruce Wayne is the obvious answer. Well, I mean, because he he's would be obviously such a good dashing. Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, and I think his Batman would be good. He's already played someone who's dark, mysterious, mm-hmm. kind of messed up in the head. Mm-hmm. He's got that that role down. Would would you okay, so would you approach it as more a Bruce Wayne like fighting his inner demons? Yeah. That would probably be a good subplot, but again, just give me give me a real Batman movie. Yeah. That's that's actually that's a really good answer. Uh, as as we're gonna discuss later, I haven't seen the animated series, so I've never seen Batman as the world's greatest detective. Hey Joe, um, this just in: we're just gonna talk about Lego Batman alone. Uh, we lost <laughs> uh, the connection with Jake. Oh man, holy cinematic sins, Batman! <laughs> well, but the but the fact remains: if if you weren't a kid of the '90s who watched that, have you ever seen the world's greatest detective on screen? No. At, at all. No. So I, I want to see uh, that. Can the next movie please show that? The Dark Knight teases us. A little bit, but, but he's doing he's doing something different. His motivations are different. Yeah. Then. And that, that's the thing is like the, the thing that I find intriguing about the quote unquote world's greatest detective is it fits into the ongoing comic bookness of Batman uh, with the serialization. Yeah. Um, but it's also ripe for being mined for, you know, any number of standalone pieces, you know, you could, you could almost Mad Max this universe where they, they exist sort of connected, but completely on their own as well, where you can pick up at any point, fall in, just get a really good solid story and then, and then jump yeah. out. Uh, Jake, I will say if you are not a kid of the nineties, but you've played any of the Arkham games, you probably have that, a pretty good sense of the world's greatest. Detective. Yeah, that's true. Okay. The, the Arkham games are great. Uh, so here's my my last question. I know Batman is is the goose that laid the golden egg for DC, but could it work as an HBO show? And would they be willing to do that? Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to say HBO would not be willing to do that. They, they seem to have been like as much as they're willing to make something, you know, like Game of Thrones, which is big and expensive. Like they also dropped those two uh, Fincher shows which i mean i think fincher had had directed like two or three episodes of utopia before they they cut it off so i i, I don't know like in theory yeah it could work what but. about a mini series like a 10 part mini series seven part mini series about year one on annie <laughs> you wouldn't think h you don't think hbo would <laughs> no, do that um i don't know if you could do 10 parts on year one i mean year one was only four issues yeah um but Year one, year one would be worth exploring with the, well, I say that, but then, then again, I think Batman Begins actually explores it's, it's different, yeah. but it touches on some of the best touchstones of year one. Yeah. That's true. Um, it's, it's more focused on Gordon though, than, um, than you really think. So maybe that's a, but then I would, I, I mean, Gotham. who do you, who do you, well, you just take the who, cast of Gotham, you bring them over. No, no, no. <laughs> but I mean, how do you replace Gary Oldman? as Gordon. Like he's, he's so good. It's, it, it would be really tough to, if that was the focus, which I think could be interesting. Well, it it'll be, be really interesting to, to see how uh, JK Simmons does. This is true. Um, JK Simmons may Jack. make us all forget about Gary Jack Oldman. Jake. Yep. 
<laughs> okay. Well, we could actually turn this entire episode into just talking about uh, fan theories and rumors and stuff on Batman, but we are here for another reason, and that is to review the Lego Batman movie. So let's jump into it. Master Bruce, your greatest fear is... Snakes? No. Clouds? No. It's being a part of a family again. No, now it's snake clouds because you put that idea in my head. Sir, you need to take responsibility for your life, and it starts by raising the young orphan you adopted. I thought I was being sarcastic. Hello, secret camera. We built this city. What? It's the Batcave. Oh my gosh, look, it's the bat sub! Don't touch that. The bat zeppelin! Don't touch that either. It's the bat kayak! No. Do I get a costume? I love it, but his pants are just a little tight. I got an idea. Rip. It's better! I can only look you in the eyes right now. Hi, Batman! No way! Come catch your greatest enemy. Following Phil Lord and Christopher Miller's surprisingly successful sentimental sensation based on the intellectual property of interconnected building blocks known as the Lego movie. Warner Brothers was quick to greenlight a gaggle of follow-up feature films. The Lego Movie is the second picture in the ever-expanding Lego universe to hit theaters. Will Arnett reprises his role as the conceited Cape Crusader who cameoed in the original Lego Movie. As fans of the first film know, in this Lego Movie-verse, Batman loves only one thing, himself. And in his mind, the Dark Knight is his true identity. When Lego Batman comes home from a long night of fighting crime and wants to slip into something a little more comfortable, he loses the cape, but he keeps the cowl. And the stubborn, solipsistic superhero takes the loner lifestyle super seriously. Lego Batman eats his microwaved lobster thermidor alone. He watches sappy rom-coms alone. And he most certainly busts bad guys alone. That is until his inconvenient formality of an alter ego, Bruce Wayne, accidentally adopts an acrobatic orphan named Dick Grayson, who is charmingly voiced here by Arnett's former Arrested Development co-star, Michael Sarah. Against Batman's own inner impulses, Wayne's ward quickly becomes the Cape Crusader's cohort, and the long road to inner growth for Gotham City's master builder ensues. So guys, I'm curious. Did Arnett's iteration of the Dark Knight make you feel all jazzed inside? Or do you just want to brood alone in a dark room, talking to no one, and laughing inappropriately at sappy lines from Jerry Maguire? And furthermore, could someone inform me of the vigilante podcaster policy on cookies? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what it you know what it mostly made me feel chris it made me sad i don't have an arch nemesis <laughs> that you could just I, take for granted i wish someone hated me as much as the joker hated batman this, this is a great place to start I, I love the way that it sort of it frames this as a a bromance almost you know they're they're it's not exactly frenemies but they they need each other which is like what uh, the Joker and Batman have come to mean to each other in in the comics and in the cultural zeitgeist is they are they are yin and yang to each other, um, and I I think the way that they they handle that actually it's pretty smart. They, um, you know, when it starts out with with Arnett's voiceover, I was a little afraid afraid that this is going to be like really Deadpooly mm-hmm. in the way because it is it is very self referential. And I could just see Warner Brothers saying, oh, well, Deadpool. I mean, we already had this character in the Lego Batman or Lego movie version of Batman, who is very sort of um, he he's so purposeful in breaking the fourth wall um, that when they give him his own movie and uh, and you've had something that's as successful as Deadpool, I was really afraid they were just going to be like, well, let's make kids Deadpool. And it feels like that a little bit in places, but it doesn't feel like they're aping it. It it feels right for the character. 
it, it, it's another one of those movies that made me feel a little sad that people didn't love Scott Pilgrim more. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because they, they, they play kind of along the same lines in my mind of not breaking the fourth wall, but there is an audience there that you're informing of things. Now, Scott Pilgrim didn't have a voiceover, but, but they felt spiritually kind of close. Uh, yeah. But this was really funny. This was really good. Joe, what about you? You are very particular about your Batmans. Um, and, and, you know, you scoff at the idea of even allowing Dick Grayson to play Batman on screen, uh, even though he has done it in, in the comic books. How do you feel about Arnett here? He's a little, a little different, a little irreverent. I think it works because at its core, it's not a Batman movie. It's a Lego movie. And obviously with it being a Lego movie, you get more, I I give it more leeway to kind of, you know, pander to the kids. Mm -hmm. It took some really good ideas from Batman, some really good you know, mm-hmm. tropes from Batman. And it, I think it does a great job of, of using those to its advantage, but at the same time, it's still a Lego movie. So it, uh, you can kind of do whatever you want with it. And I, I thought it was good. I thought it was great. I, I mean, I think, I think it does something really well in that it knows who Batman is and it knows the Batman world. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like, Oh, well we've, we've seen Batman 66 and we've seen the movies and that's, that's what we know about Batman. It, like it feels like it's aware of the larger comic universe of of him of relationships of you know the good and the bad and the weird yeah um and and embraces it i'm gonna go farther i'm gonna say this movie is the most character driven batman movie in 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 a while well it's it's a very batman driven movie it is i mean really it it almost bruce wayne is more a joke or used as a they use the fact that bruce wayne is his his alter ego and and it's almost it's almost batman is the main character and bruce wayne is the alter ego in this i i love i love when um spoilers uh dick grayson is is forced down uh or is brought down into the batcave by alfred which is sort of an echo of burden's 89 batman bringing Vicky Vale in to, to sort of yeah. force him, um, which, which sparked a lot of nerd rage at the time. I think it actually, it works very well here um, because it's played for comedic effect a right. bit. Um, but, uh, and, and there's this discussion where I, I love the, the sort of play on Dick Grayson being a child doesn't put it all together. And he says, what? It's the bad cave. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, 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 oh my gosh. Batman? Whoa! You're darn right, whoa. Wait, does Batman live in Bruce Wayne's basement? No, Bruce Wayne lives in Batman's attic. We can have sleepovers every night. No, we can't. Yeah. Which is the, like, it fully shows you how this character really identifies himself. He identifies himself as Batman. When he comes home, as I said, he doesn't take off the cowl. He leaves it on. He, he stays in that Batman voice the entire time. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and to go overly, uh, to, to, to really use my film degree here, if, <laughs> if Batman comes from deep within Bruce Wayne, most in most movies in this one, Bruce Wayne was just something in Batman's mind that he did from time to time. He Mm -hmm. at his, you know, the Batman had expanded to take completely over Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah. it was a really good line. It was a really solid line. Funny, but a really good line. I I, and, you know, I think this is 
Um, as, as I was saying in the opening, the thing I love about Batman is he can be multiple things. I love, I love this version of him, even if it's not the definitive version of Batman. I like that, uh, we, we can get this and we can sort of explore this very egotistical sort of idea of the, um, you know, and, and it's, it's almost commenting on the public's sort of own view of his persona as well. And, and, and running with that, um, yeah, I, I think it's honestly, uh, it's one of the better standalone Batman movies. It really is. Um, like in exploring him in, in sort of that, I mean, Bruce Wayne definitely gets thrown to the wayside, but they still explore some of Bruce Wayne's turmoil in Batman. You know, the, the, and, and, you know, that manic driven loneliness of, you know, he's almost this, he's experienced so much, um, early, uh, trauma that he's just forced himself into quote unquote his work. And that's, that's how he defines himself. And that's why he never, he never takes off the mask, which is, which is very, you know, getting a little deep in a kid's movie, but that's the thing that I think plays well is it is, it works for kids. It's fun and bright and shiny. Yeah. And I I think as, at least as far as the movies are concerned, like you take every Batman movie, Bruce Wayne's always the, he's, he's the guy in the background. Mm -hmm. They're all Batman movies. To a and then you know to a degree you just play, a, but a lot of times the rogues gallery gets more focus than than anything. Yeah, it's it's yes, the bad guys yeah. that really shine. Batman nineteen eighty nine is the Joker movie with Batman. Yeah, uh, well, that's out. I mean I love Batman Returns, but Batman Returns is really a Catwoman and Penguin movie. Sexy Michelle Pfeiffer and a M- Michelle Pfeiffer. So and not not just because. Ooh, va va mm, yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer, but like Michelle Pfeiffer is great in that. The Catwoman, Selena Kyle, is has her own great origin yeah. story. Um, that's the like he he does you know sort of play second fiddle a lot of times to his his bad guys. And the the irony here is there's more bad guys than have ever been in a Batman movie, and it's finally he's, and, and he's front and center. Yeah, and he's front and center, and it and it works so well. Th- this is actually the first superhero movie that I've ever thought really really worked with more than one villain usually you get two villains in there and and you start having problems or or three in, or, in the case of batman and robin well if you want to count well, bane's bane, henchman. yeah and bane yeah that's the thing bane's just a henchman but yeah um but, but in in this movie it was really one villain with an army of villains behind him but they turned into henchmen just super henchmen and <laughs> yeah and well, it worked really well well and the other the other thing that that works great is um, it, it sort of exists as a, you know, as a kid who is, if, if you had all of these Lego characters as, as they would play with stuff. And actually I want to, I want to go ahead and roll spoilers here and get into some stuff that, um, I actually haven't seen the trailer for Lego Batman. So I don't know if this is alluded to or not in, in the, uh, in the trailers, but just in case roll spoilers. And then let's talk about the villains. So the the big sort of reveal of of this is uh, Joker has his rogues gallery of villains from um, Arkham and kind of puts them like you you see them but then he puts them on the shelf. 
He literally puts them in a box. <laughs> he literally puts them in a box and then goes to the Phantom Zone and pulls all of the bad guys from the Phantom Zone. But we happen to learn that basically all Warner Brothers intellectual property bad guys live in the Phantom Zone. And and then some like Universal as well, like King Kong and some some others that I like if if Jaws is the shark or Joey and I were talking about this off mic, maybe it's just the maybe it's just the shark from Batman 66 movie. Um, uh, Dracula, also universal swamp um, thing. Is that who that's supposed to be? I think swamp so. Thing? I think so. Look, um, back in my huge. day when that right. many characters got together, they were telling us not to do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> but now they can just get together because Batman is out. It's I liked it. So, yeah, well, that, that's what I wanted to ask. What do you guys think about? Because this, the cynical mind definitely says, oh, well, they, they're just trying to reinforce that kids like all these other things, you know, from Lord of the Rings with Sauron, Gremlins, the Wicked Witch of the West. I mean, Voldemort. He who shall not be named. Um, the, the, the Agent Smith. Um, all of British, these are- British robots. Ask your nerve friends. <laughs> that was, that was, that was a, so that's not a Warner brothers property then, right? Is that no, that's they, BBC. Right. Um, but they, yeah, they're, so the cynical mind says, oh, well, they're, they're just trying to, you know, and so, but I, I think it works. I think it works well. And, and partially because of the Batman story that they're trying to tell. I think if you would have done this movie before the Lego movie, if Batman Lego was first, everyone would hate all of that because it would be, to me, it would feel like everyone was saying, well, this is just a Warner Brothers Lego cash grab. But Mm -hmm. because you did the Lego movie first and you've already set the universe where Mm. you have just like a kid, and obviously with the Lego movie, it is in reality a kid playing with all of his Legos. You just grab. I remember Mm. being a kid and playing with characters. You just grab. And so, you know, if you've got Voldemort laying around, sure, he's a bad guy in the Batman universe now. And I think it works perfectly because it was set up in the previous movie. Universe. Well, and and I I honestly don't think this movie could exist without the previous one because I think yeah. Lord Miller really set the tracks for in a great way for sort of how this world works, the dynamic and the um you know the way it, it is existing in a kid's mind. Um and and so yeah, it's uh, you you're I think you're right. You you buy into it because it's earned that trust. Even though this movie never ever leaves Gotham and that universe since the movie before had that real life bit at the end it anchors it and it allows it but also because Toy Story brought all those things together 20 years ago Mm -hmm. good lord it was 20 years ago um, you are able to do that as well but that was also grounded in a reality it has to have that kids playing with toys thing but what's interesting is this movie never ever addresses it. It never does. It just lives because those movies existed to allow it to live. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they, it needs to. It does. It does address the fact that Gotham City exists on two tabletops. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It does. You know, it, yeah. It, it is. It is self-referential in the fact that this apparently is, with a laundry basket underneath. <laughs> um, but I, I like that. I think. I think if it did, you know, break the fourth wall again and, and go live action, it would have felt very weird. Like mm-hmm. we, yeah. we understand the world that it lives in. We don't need to be reminded right. of it each time. I, I think the only way they could have broke the fourth wall is if this were like the Lego Spider-Man movie, and you saw it was just Stan Lee playing with all of the toys. <laughs> <laughs> now I would really like that. Uh, but I, uh, the the one thing that I do think kind of sucks about bringing in all of these you know they're flying monkeys and medusa and 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 all these um there were a lot of great people cast for 
the rogues gallery that just didn't get, you know, Conan O'Brien as the Riddler, um, Kate Micucci as uh, Clayface. Um, a, a lot of these people who only got a line or two or you really didn't hear them except for in in a mass crowd speaking. Uh, that's that's maybe the one thing like looking at the the cast before seeing the movie. I was like, oh, holy shit. This is basically just Doug Love's movies as Batman supervillains, which was great. And and I will say Doug Benson as Bane is perfect because he's just doing the thing that he always does on Doug Love's movies as Doug Benson doing Tom Hardy doing Bane <laughs> and all while in the sort of classic nightfall Bane uh, look as well. So and, and that's the like that's the thing is if if a kid had um, had that Bane, he would probably still do the Tom Hardy voice because that's, that's what he's most familiar that's with. That's the iconic Tom part. Yeah, because uh, otherwise he's just going to go <laughs> drive <laughs> bomb <laughs> bomb. <laughs> Bomb. And and then Batman was like, Are you just saying blink? Are you saying blink? Blink, 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 Uh yeah, so so to get back on track with with uh Lego Batman, the villains, they are great. I would honestly I would see a just a Lego Batman villains movie, I think could could be could be fantastic. Um I, I do think Zach Galifianakis, he's okay, but not outstanding. I just um, I can't believe if, I don't know maybe they did ask Mark Hamill I can't believe he wasn't involved I I, I Mark Hamill kind of is too too scary for well no Lego I think Batman. I think he's I think he's sort of stepped away from it at this point I believe too busy um, filming but Star but Wars also movies. like I don't know if it would have fit here. It wouldn't have been right. That's um, the, so, I, so did you did you mention stunt casting yet, Chris? Uh, no, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about stunt casting because. Um, it's anytime you're casting this many celebrities, this many well-known people, um, it can become sort of, it can get in the way. It can become sort of like a game of, Oh, I recognize that. Why is that? Um, do you think it works here or do you think it, it's hindered? Like, would you, would you have rather had just veteran Billy West, well-worn? Yeah, no voice actors handling all of these. Or do you, do you think it, it works and adds something to it? Honestly, I didn't look at the cast of, other than the obvious ones. I didn't mm -hmm. look at the cast to see who everyone was voiced by until after the movie. Mm -hmm. For the whole movie, I thought the Joker was Patton Oswalt. That would oh, have really? really? I that can't been stand good. Patton Oswalt. Really? I just never liked him. Like, what? Unless he was on... Uh, what, King of Queens. King of Queens. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> well, what's, what's funny is I spent half the movie thinking it was David Cross. <laughs> <laughs> If it, Which I also would have liked. That would have been great if it was just an Arrested Development reunion. <laughs> that would have been great. That actually would have I, been a brilliant little uh, little nugget for the... Because I, I do think my, making Michael Sarah casting him as... Dick Grayson is a is a touch of genius, and then and then him calling him uh, Padre. Yeah, um, I was really hoping there was going to yes. be an Armano in there somewhere. I was hoping I, so bad that they would throw it in there somewhere, and they never did. I've been saying for years I want to see a Jason Bateman Batman movie, <laughs> a Jason Batman movie where he's just Jason Batman. <laughs> Um, I, I don't know how to develop that any further, but the idea of it is really funny, especially if Michael Sarah was Robin. Only if Teen Wolf becomes Batman. <laughs> he was Teen Wolf and Teen Wolf Two. Oh, I was like, no, that was Michael J. Fox. Man. <laughs> um, I I think it works, and I think partially because of the precedent of the first Lego yeah, movie. Everybody in everybody was somebody, and and the the fact that it is as as I've said, self referential. Um, it it it's you know playing with it like it wasn't. 
it never took anything away, right? It wasn't necessary. And, and, and that's the, like, it's more, if it, if it takes away from what could have been great is, is more what bothers me sometimes. Like, honestly, some Miyazaki films, I get a little where, where Disney goes and says, Oh, we're just going to cast Jonathan Taylor Thomas and all Mm -hmm. these, like, it feels a little in its own way. Um, this feels, but an adult Jonathan Taylor Thomas, (laughs) just with a voice like this. Jonathan so, Taylor but, Thomas every once in a while comes up on those like clickbait. Um, where are they so, now? Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, died uh, celebrities who died too young. He's dead. No, he's oh, not. Okay. But him and him and Macaulay Culkin <laughs> always show up on those. But do do you think Will Arnett's voice is going to be Batman defined for for kids? Yes, from now on because like, that's going to be the Batman voice. The only other Batman voice they really know up until Batman v Superman was like an even grittier darker uh christian bale voice which i kind of think is why they cast will arnett and had him do like the darkest, oh, yeah. Yeah. deepest voice he could do and so i think it's great and uh, yeah that'll be what kids i mean kids are gonna from even the first lego movie kids started running around saying i'm batman <laughs> i don't know i i think this movie does a lot of things so right in just the way that uh the, the way that it plays jokes it plays them for both adults and kids um, and it, and it keeps the spirit of what Lord Miller kind of set up. Um, I mean, I mean, I love like one of my favorite jokes in the entire thing is, uh, Barbara Gordon, she went to Harvard for police and then the, the <laughs> way, the way that they present her, like when, when she's about to come up on, on stage is she cleaned up Bloodhaven using statistics and compassion, like, uh, <laughs> And just you get a real she's a real Leslie Nope sort of sort of character. Uh, and and I, I really I really love that. And and we haven't even really touched on her, but plays into the larger subplot of this movie, which um, I think is, is the thing that shines best above sort of the uh, the story that it's trying to tell of, you know, all these uh, run amok villains. The subplot of this movie is a subplot of Batman and Robin. Um, in that it's about Batman being a loner and not wanting to, uh, welcome anyone in. And, but ultimately he realizes that he's better with family and, but this movie does it so much better. Yeah. Actually, as I was watching, that's not really a subplot in this movie. That's the plot of this movie. The villain thing is almost the subplot, (laughs) but, but on paper, the villain thing is the main, that's, that's the thing that drives to the third act. I I guess that's why I said, this is the most character driven Batman story. Cause to me, I left and that other stuff had happened, but I felt like I learned a lot about Batman and watched Batman grow and all those things, Mm -hmm. which is not something I routinely feel at the end of a bat. I'm like, Ooh, thank God he saved Gotham. Yeah. Yeah. what you feel at the end of a Batman movie usually. And this one, I was like, Batman learned something good for Batman. <laughs> My one complaint about this movie is the way it ends with Bruce Wayne, or I guess it's, he's technically still in Batman, but in Bruce Wayne's living room, he puts a photo of Batman, Robin, Alfred, and Barbara Gordon in his living room. In costume. Uh, in, in costume, that would totally give away the fact that he's Batman, <laughs> but it's, it's fine. It works. It works for this character. You know, there he's not trying to sneak around and uh, not. I mean, it just the way that it's handled with uh, with Dick Grayson is is perfect. In the like, do, I have two dads. Yeah, <laughs> my two dads do, are the same dad. <laughs> do any villains ever figure out in the Batman universe that Bruce Wayne is Batman? 
Or does he always keep that secret? No. I mean, pe- everybody knows. Pe- everybody knows yeah, at some point. Pe- people know, not, I don't know if everybody knows. Obviously, Dick Grayson knows. Um, I mean, in in Burden's Batman, Vicky Vale is shown by Alfred because he feels like it would help uh, Bruce Wayne personally, which is a really weird, odd way to, to go about it. But yeah, I mean. The Riddler finds but out. But I didn't know if, if like Joker like never figured it out. And that's why in this movie they were like. Bruce Wayne is Batman's roommate. Um, <laughs> that was a good line. <laughs> that, that was, well, that's, I, I think that's more like, it. it's just a playful way to go along with it. Yeah. I mean, I think in okay. some iterations, Gordon knows at least some like uh, one-off graphic novel right. iterations. It, I don't, I don't mm. think. Jake, the answer to the comic books as always is, uh, it's whatever you believe to be canon. Which well, and that's and that's a whole everything other, has happened in every way. So whatever you want to believe, that, that, pretty much. That's a whole nother mess. And that, but that's that's what I like about my Batman. I like my Batman messy. And on that note, I think we should do something that we normally hold for you know summer movies. But this is a, a nice fun kids movie. Uh, what were your favorite parts? Let's start with you, Jake. Skip me. Come come back. I gotta I gotta go to my Fortress of Solitude and think about this one. <laughs> okay, Joe. What is your favorite part? Uh, I liked when. Oh, this is definitely my favorite part when Alfred's in there talking about, I've seen you do this before. And he references every Batman movie yeah. going all the way back and they show a scene and they're all Lego until it gets to 1966. And then <laughs> yeah. it's just Adam West punching people. <laughs> I cracked up pretty hard at that. That that was nice. And that that's the thing. Like it, the, the whole self-referential thing could play really uh, just trite, but it, 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 it works. It works, so it works well. really well because, because it's a light touch. It doesn't lean into it too, yeah. too much. Yeah. Uh, Jake, you got anything yet? Yeah, I, I think legitimately my favorite part was Robin's costume. Wow, look at all these. Do I get a costume for the mission, too? I got a feeling that you'll just look like a kid on Halloween, don't you think? Don't oh. touch that. Woohoo! El Mariachi. I like that one. That one is culturally insensitive. Night Terror. Oh, oh, that one. No way. This one? Death Merchant. No. I'm okay. This one. Firestarter. Nope. This one. Claude Rain. No. <laughs> Excalibur. This one? No. Silent How's but this? deadly. Nope. Bat. Rishnikov. How do we feel about this one? Dress-up parties are for grown-ups only. Wait, what's that one there? Oh, that one was for the assignment called the Jamaica Caper. The locals called me Reggae Man. I love it. Oh, feels like I was poured into this. My only trouble is his pants are just a little tight. I don't know if I could throw a kick or jump in them. I got an idea. Rip! It's better. Now I'm free. Now I'm moving. Come on, Batman. Let's get grooving. I can only look you in the eyes right now. Just that whole thing, the fact that they went with the, the traditional Robin costume, that he was Rasta man, <laughs> yeah. and he just rips the pants off, and he's it's trying to sneak around in this glittery gold cape, and when just the whole, nope, I'm good, don't need pants, just I love that he stuck with that the entire time, and they made what I thought could never work again, which was 60s Batman Robin, mm-hmm. Batman's Robin, just, just play it straight, and it... Well, not straight, but still, it made it work. Well, and that perfectly explains why he wouldn't have pants. It's it's great. Yes. So my favorite part is I don't I don't have one necessarily. It's basically most things that Michael Sarah's 
Robin or Dick says. He has he has so many great like like the exchange about the the attic in the basement. Um, when when Dick Grayson first meets Bruce Wayne and he's telling him what his skills are and he says uh, close up street magic, a la David Blaine. <laughs> yeah. um, um, there's there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of great or when when they're in in prison and somebody's like talking about Batman and um, like hey get this man some pants and he's like no I'm good. Um, he's he's just. He's delightful in this um, played. I mean, the lines are great, but then Michael Sarah plays it so perfectly well. Michael Sarah's best role since super bad. Ooh, 10 years old. Oh man. That uh, Scott Pilgrim, Scott Pilgrim so was Sorry. Pilgrim after. Yeah. Was it really? Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. Scott Pilgrim actually shows more range than he's probably ever had before. The, the last thing I want to say about this movie is I'm glad that they reminded everybody that that 50 years ago, Batman was kind of this light comical thing that worked that way Mm -hmm. and that it can still work that way. It is a great framework to have a lot of fun in the superhero genre. It's just weird that it's also the most serious of all superhero movies ever. The (laughs) Batman trilogy and probably the best also is that same character. Batman has an enormous range and I'm glad both those movies exist. Well, and I, I think that's partially a reaction actually to the 60s uh, show itself. And and the sort of Batman's always had sort of two personas, the public persona and the nerd fan persona. And they mm-hmm. haven't always meshed. They've they've come more in line with each other or, or the public has become more aware of what, quote unquote, true Batman is um, over the past decade and a half or so. Um, maybe, maybe even longer than maybe we could say 30 years or so since burden, but, but really like that's only begun to melt. I mean, the reaction to burdens Batman at the time was this is dark Batman. This is what, um, this is what the fans have always wanted. Uh, and, but then you compare it to Nolan and it's like, no, it's still pretty sticky. Um, he, he shot a plane down with a really long pistol. Oh man, that might be my favorite part of that entire movie. (laughs) Well, as a kid, yeah, it's amazing. Oh yeah. Just, it's so ridiculous. The way exactly his the, the way it comes out of, just yeah. the way he pulls it out of his pants. Over. Midnight Warriors sit down to watch Lego Batman and they pull up a plate of their favorite microwaved lobster Thermidor. Uh, what uh, icy cold beverage should they be drinking? I did not prepare for this at all, Jake. I totally forgot to go with the beverage. And generally with kids movies, I like I to say do, because it's a kid's movie. You shouldn't be telling them to drink uh, at such a young well, age. It, generally with a kid's movie, I like to do like a, a, root, a root beer or something. Um, but I don't have one prepared. Jake, I know you are a root beer connoisseur. Do you have one you would like to recommend? Oh, I, I, I do actually. Um, have have either of you tried the original Bulldog root beer? Uh, no, I have not. I don't know what this is. Please, please tell me about it. It is it is one of those uh, root beers you can only find in the glass bottle. It is uh, it's got a lot of honey and vanilla taste to it. It's really sweet, but easy, easy to drink. Honey. And it it's yeah it's yeah it's got a honey taste to hmm. it. it 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 uh it's a little different than a lot of root beers that i've had but it's definitely one you could just pop open and drink on its own uh 
as sort of a snack type thing, uh, which is kind of what I think a, a Lego Batman movie. You're gonna enjoy it. It's gonna be good. It's it's not too uh, too heavy or too too anything you don't want. It's just just really sweet, really good. That's what I'm going with. Bulldog root beer. Uh, I believe it's available at Ida Red and oh, nice. wherever people sell uh, glass bottle root beers that are good. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, do you do you don't you don't have any beer to recommend, Chris? Okay, I've I've got something off the top of my head that um, I had actually been saving for something great, and this is probably the best. There's there's a there's a solid a couple solid tie-ins here. Um, so I'm going to go with. Yet another beer from Prairie Artisan Ales in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, slash Krebs, Oklahoma. And this is sort of their, it's basically their flagship beer at this point. It is the the beer that really put them on the map nationally. Um, and it is Prairie Bomb. And that is bomb with an exclamation point. Um, so the reasons I'm choosing this beer is one, if you look at the label, it sort of almost looks like it came out of a 66 Batman overlay um, with, you know, it says bomb exclamation point and it's got uh, sort of a, a pow almost it's very know, colorful behind it um, explosion. Um, but it's also, you know, this this Batman is all about being the darkest Batman. And this is a really, really dark, rich, imperial, uh, dark rich imperial stout um and it's it's aged on espresso beans chocolate uh vanilla beans and peppers and and so it has this really complex sort of flavor to it i think i've recommended maybe christmas bomb in in the past which is sort of a variant of this this is the the main original uh bomb and it's it's just absolutely delicious um, and luckily now you can find it everywhere. It used to be when it first came out, it was, they were releasing it in, in small batches and it was basically like you had to go pick it up at the liquor store when they, when they released it or you didn't have any, I still have some like three plus year old gold wax bombs in my, uh, in my fridge as I've been aging every six months or so, I'll take another one out. Um, and they're, they're just delicious. You can probably, if you can find Prairie at your, uh, at your local liquor store, you can probably find bomb, um, along with hopefully a host of, of other bizarre and, and delicious hoppy, uh, you know, double IPAs and sours and stouts. Uh, but that's Prairie bomb from Prairie Artisan Ales. So you're saying it has a taste so strong that words will manifest themselves above you describing <laughs> the taste. Uh, after, after one or two of these, definitely. I mean, this is a 13% ABV. Um, it is a, uh, when it says it's an Imperial Stout, it is, it is a really, I mean, one of these will get you, uh, get you feeling pretty okay. The Lego Batman movie is currently playing in movie theaters nationwide. If you've seen it, tell us your thoughts at hello at warstartsatmidnight.com. Or if email isn't your thing, we'd still love to hear from you. Ring the red phone and leave us a voicemail in your best Doug Benson as Tom Hardy as Bane voice at 484-424-6362. That's 484-4CINEMA. Stick around. We'll be back after the break with the awards season week 12 recap of the Midnight Warrior Fantasy Movie League.
And now it's time for the Midnight Warrior Fantasy Movie League Recap. Each week, Chris and I compete with you, the listeners, in a fantasy sports-style game to best spend a thousand imaginary bucks to fill a virtual eight-screen cineplex with real-world movies where the weekend box office determines the winner. If you aren't already playing along, now's the perfect time to join. The new spring season starts on February 27th. Sign up now and compete for our league's sacred ceramic championship coffee cup. Visit wsampod.com slash league to join in and get all the details. So let's dive into our recap of week 12 of award season, where I desperately needed to make up ground on our two leaders, Lacey and Phil, better known as OPC Where Art Thou and School of Rock. These two have been duking it out for the league, and I have been sitting about $50 million back in third place. So logically, Friday morning, I set my lineup to have the Lego Batman movie in the top spot, followed by a lot of filler films, a couple lions mixed in there. And then I realized that this is exactly what Phil and Lacey would do. It was the safest bet for the perfect Cineplex. And the only way to make up ground was to take a brilliant risk and bet it all on seven screens of split, hoping to grab a ton of best picture bonuses. Spend the rest on Fifty Shades Darker, and you have yourself an outside shot at stealing the perfect Cineplex and positioning myself in a spot to steal the season in Week 13. How'd that uh, work out for you, Jake? Uh, not positively. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty obviously it, it, it failed, you know, really spectacularly. Uh, I, I did come in fourth, but Best Picture nominee Lion just could not wait to be king. And, and, and get its $2 million best performer bonus. We're still doing Lion King puns, right? Yeah. Okay, So as long as that's on the table. So with our leaders each showing six screens of said feline best picture nominee, uh, complete with uh, Bricktown Batman and Hidden Figures, they cruise to a $5 million perfect Cineplex bonus. Yes, that is $17 million in bonus dollars alone, if you're keeping count. Jake, can you consider a lion a feline? I, th- I think so. I think a house cat is a feline. It's like a feline. I think anything in that cat family is a feline, right? I, I don't think so. I think I think the... Was it not Lion King one and a half feline groovy? Was it? Is that no? Is that, no, okay. that was Garfield too. <laughs> okay, I think that maybe proves my point. I'm pretty sure. I, I'm pretty sure the. I don't know the etymology, but I'm pretty sure the prefix there implies that it is a smaller lion. Perhaps <laughs> I don't know. I, that's that's I, what I've always assumed. I just think feline is just the whole like every like k like wolves are canine because they're in that dog yeah, family. And cat, but but and there's all also, the cat animals there, are. But there's not there's not a dog known as a nine. <laughs> Zoology starts at midnight back this fall. <laughs> if if you have the answer to this uh, conundrum, please email us at hello or starts midnight dot com with uh, <laughs> with the details as to uh, what the hell it is we're we're trying to to debate. Uh, so so Chris, you know I chose to name my account Cineplex Luthor so I could be the villain of this season. Uh huh. And steal that championship cup away. Why did I think that would work? Lex Luthor has never gotten anything he's aimed for ever. Especially when we have Superman and Wonder Woman at the top of our league. You know, the fantasy movie league versions of them. So so what was I even thinking? Maybe you were thinking you were going to play your part exactly to a T. I, I guess, but there was never even the threat of me winning. It would I would have had to win for like 
11 of the weeks and then they come from behind and steal it. I, I think the real problem is you didn't talk enough trash. Uh, I, I could do more trash talking next season. You, you, sh- you should have, but I, next season, maybe you should, uh, I don't know what you should go for. Like little orphan Annie, maybe. <laughs> Am I that pathetic in this league? No, you're not. I'm just saying like, you need a new shtick. You could be condiment King. Okay. <laughs> condiment King. I, I'm kind I'm kind of team condiment King right now. <laughs> you could be team condiment King. I could be team pack rat who only plays one thing every week <laughs> it's just it's just all or nothing on one movie and so you would have had one perfect cineplex ever and i think it was deadpool yep i think that's the only one to just go eight screener or or last week hypothetically it could have been split it 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 was so close <laughs> to being split I, 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 the worst part about playing seven split is i had to fill in the top and my options were like 50 shades darker or great wall and none of those None of those felt good. Wait, Great Wall came out last week? Yeah. Oh. Huh. So speaking of the new releases that you can play, um, how how are you feeling about this week's new releases? I'll I'll do a quick rundown. We have uh, the highly anticipated Get Out, the I didn't know it was a movie until today, Rock Dog, and the I didn't know it was a movie until I saw it on the FML page, Collide. Oh, well, Get Out, I've actually been pretty excited about for a while. You know, it premiered at Sundance. Uh, directed by Jordan Peele, but not a comedy by any means, an actual, like, a straight sort of psychological horror. Um, looks really good. I don't know. This is Rock Dog you're talking about? Uh, no, this is, the, <laughs> uh, no, this is Get Out. Um, but it, it's sitting at 283, which isn't terribly high, but it's still at the top of the, the top of the list. Do you really think Get Out is going to do better than Lego Batman? I guess is the real question. <laughs> That's the question, but the the other question is, are we in the middle of horror season, and is there horror fatigue? Because let's just say you got up and you you saw... I mean, if maybe because no one saw Cure for Wellness last week. No they didn't, one. And, but Split still made over $8 million. It's not like it did really terribly. But also Rings came out, and I think the Bye Bye Man hasn't... It hasn't been that long since that. Rings already came out? Yeah, that Rings... came and went... I know, I know you've had a child recently, Chris, but movies still do come out. Uh, Rings being well, one of them. Well, we still clearly got these fake movies coming out too. Collide and uh, what was the what was the Bow Wow Rock was, Dog? Rock Dog, which is yeah. a movie about a dog who wants to be a rock star, and and also based on a Chinese graphic novel according according to uh our reviewer of bad movies drew yeah based on like a a a manga or something is that even how you say that word sure man yeah so he'll be reviewing that one day and cursing quite a lot about (laughs) it it'll be it'll be a comparative review we'll make him read all i'm sure 12 volumes of the uh of the source material and then see it so the real question this week chris for 51 dollars, do you play a dog's purpose or rock dog uh, Jig, I think you know my answer here, and it's neither because you can also get La La Land for fifty-one dollars, and I'm always going to go with La La Land. Uh, but it would be more appropriate if it were La La Land, but with two singing dogs. It would, but uh, it's not, and La La Land's going to take all the Oscars this weekend. So, La La Land, people. I think there there probably are holdout people who haven't seen it, and they say, "Oh, well, the Oscars are coming up. I've got to see it this weekend." Before it wins everything. Uh, full disclosure, I'm going to see it a second time this weekend. Excellent. So, Help me out. 
Yep. Uh, go go. So uh, I think that puts you at like six screens of La La Land, and then or seven screens in a Lego Batman, something like that. You can make that work. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. If you still need more FML in your life, catch my weekly recaps and predictions each week on the War Starts at Midnight blog. And if you've got a hot take for the next Perfect Cineplex, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter at WSAMPod. Stick around for our really rad recommendations, coming up next. guys it is really rad recommendation time once again i hope everyone has something batman to recommend because there's so many good batman things joe i know you're good for something what do you got well this time i'm gonna go with uh batman mask of the phantasm it was an animated movie from like 95 93 yeah um it's got mark hamill as the joker kevin conroy as batman yeah, it's the animated series. It's I mean, the, written yeah, by yeah. Paul Dini. Yeah. It's it's the animated series look and actors and, and it's amazing. It's it's really well written, really well played out. I just it's probably one of my favorite Batman movies. Really spooked me as a kid. Yeah. 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 The Phantasm, he's no joke. Uh no, I, I can definitely I can definitely second that. And this might be actually a good place to to say I uh put together a little I ranked Batman movies, um, including this one, uh, from Best to Worst. On Letterboxd. I will put a link to this in the show notes. I'm interested to read um, this to so see where we're at. You can, yeah, you can see. I, I I, don't know how I really fall with the general audience, but I this is this is the way I feel about it. So um, <laughs> I'd hope so, or your letterbox would be a lie. <laughs> yeah, well, what I mean is just uh, I, you know, I'm not going with necessarily like this is ultimate Batman, but these are these are the ones that I enjoy. Like if I if I was to could only watch one, this is sort of the order that I want to go back to them in generally like my my willingness to rewatch yeah. is 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 a good is a big factor in it um okay jake what do you have uh so i didn't go with a batman movie as uh previously stated I, so jake uh, does not have a recommendation <laughs> moving uh, on no 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 i still went with a comic book adaptation from a from okay. a really old school comic uh also a hero who has no superpowers flash hmm. gordon you guys flash. Ah, you guys seen Flash Gordon? I have I mean, not. I, I've seen a little bit. Uh, not not enough to say that I've seen the movie. Just bits and pieces. Literally all I know from the movie is stocking it time and time again when I worked at Best Buy. Um, because I think people the, kept the cover buying was it? Red. Yeah, the cover was red. He kind of looked like Ken from, uh, from Street Fighter. Oh. <laughs> from Barbie. He, to me, he looks like a <laughs> like, Ken doll. Does, doesn't he kind of have like an open... 
an open chest gi thing going on, and he's got a sword, I think. And then, no, I and then think there's. I think he's wearing a shirt with his own name or logo on it. Because yeah. that might, but there's no sleeves. No, there's no sleeves. But because you see, okay. Flash Gordon is just okay. a quarterback. Yeah. That's his only yeah. training. And <laughs> what? Gets, Wait, what? He's just a quarterback who gets transported to the planet Mongo and must fight Max von Sydow's Emperor Ming the Merciless. <laughs> could I could I real quick get that last line uh, about about who he has to fight, but in your Cajun translation? Oh. Max von Sydow, Emperor Ming the Merciless. I don't, Ma- I don't know. Max, just... Max von Sydow. <laughs> If I ever buy a Sea-Doo, uh, I'm just going to name it Max Vaughn. <laughs> so it could be my to, Max Vaughn sea It needs to be Sea-Doo apostrophe Max Vaughn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you mean comma? Yeah, sorry. Wow. <laughs> okay, Jake, sorry. What Quarterback sent to another planet has to fight uh, Max Vaughn Sea-Doo. <laughs> speaking, speaking of Sea-Doos, uh, he ends oh, up God. flying a, a rocket cycle is what it's known as in this uh-huh. universe, which basically is a space Sea-Doo. It's a Sea-Doo for mean, this it, guy. <laughs> it pretty much, I don't really, they, they're not big on logic in this movie that much, but uh-huh. he's like flying through space on this Sea-Doo looking rocket cycle. It, it's it's fantastic. It really is. And um some great performances turned in not necessarily by the star uh but the supporting <laughs> cast <laughs> the supporting cast is great you have timothy dalton as a as like a prince like a robin hood ooh. type from this planet ooh and that's actually really good casting yeah he he's he's really good and you have brian blessed as a as this like bird monster type guy or or lead, leader of these bird people I, I think they're called vulcans but i'm not sure it's uh, not just Birdman. It's not. Are you sure it's not Dan Harmon as he Birdman? Is, he is basically Birdman. Basically, is it Birdman or Bird uh, Person? Bird Person. Bird Person. Yeah, it's Bird Person. You're talking about it's, Harvey Birdman. <laughs> Bird Har- Person. Uh, or or Batman from this movie. <laughs> uh, Did you guys notice that Barbara Gordon refers to him as Batman, like yeah. as one word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bunch. I, I thought was, that was funny. It was. It was a great. Yeah. It was. It was a nice. A nice little like her own. Her own spin on it. It was kind of like. Did you notice that in BVS, uh, in the middle of a conversation between. Bruce Wayne and Alfred. Bruce Wayne refers to him as Lex Luthor, and Alfred every time is Lex Luthor. Back and forth. (laughs) Drove me crazy. Okay, Jake, where can one, if one wants to watch Flash Gordon, and why wouldn't they, where can one check it out? Yeah, don't go go with an if in that. When you want to watch Flash Gordon, you're going to either rent it on Amazon, YouTube, iTunes, or even better, purchase it on a Mondo Steelbook, which is a pretty good uh, transfer and is going to look fantastic on your bookshelf. Ooh, where it should be and, prominently displayed, not not like the the spine, like it should be turned so you can see its magnificent cover at all times. And Joey, I think I forgot. Where can we where can we see? I know for sure it's on Amazon mm-hmm. uh, to stream or to purchase. Uh, we looked earlier, five dollar add on. So if you five, uh, five dollar add on for the DVD, it looks like I think it's only in SD. So uh, well, that's okay. It's yeah, still, it's, it's still worth it. So if you're making an Amazon purchase and you're like, well, this is only just go ahead throw, and add it. just throw five bucks at it, you'll you'll thank yourself. Yeah. Okay. So this comes to my recommendation this week. I've got I've got two. I've got first one is Batman related, and it is not a movie, not a comic book, but a book 
called the Cape Crusade, Batman and the Rise of Nerd Culture. Uh, this is by Glenn Weldon, and I'm I'm about halfway through this book. Uh, it's really, really great, uh, chronicling sort of the history of Batman and also sort of the how we got to the place we are now in uh, nerd culture becoming just popular culture and and becoming, I mean, with, I mean, especially now with comic book movies being the big tentpole movies of uh, of the summer and of the every time anymore um, sort of chronicles Batman's journey from this uh, comic book character who was just aping a whole bunch of, you know, the shadow and Dick Tracy and, and created by a guy who was really sort of a con artist, Bob Kane. Um, he couldn't draw very well. He couldn't write, but he took credit for everything for a couple decades. And then, you know, sort of the evolution and going through everything from the Batusi to uh, making, you know, backlash, making Batman really dark and then bright and then dark and then bright. And then, um, the backlash at, at, uh, Michael Keaton being cast. And right now, um, I'm at, uh, the Batman and Robin stage, or I'm sorry, no, not sorry. Batman return stage. Oh, okay. So Tim Burton's about to get, uh, lashed by, uh, Warner brothers, I'm sure for what he ended up turning in there. Um, uh, but it's, it's a really fascinating read. I can't put it down. So, so far it's been dark, bright, dark, bright. Soon it'll be dark and bright at the same time. Wait, What? The 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 neon Schumacher era. Ooh, day glow. No, yeah, mm-hmm. that's 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 where I'm about to be with Coolio. Uh, by the way, with with Coolio, with a whole lot of. What if that's also the worst part of that book? <laughs> just a, just a, you can't even <laughs> write about it and make it interesting. Well, stay stay tuned, and I'll let you know. Um, then I also have a television show to recommend. It is called Travel Man or Travel Man colon forty eight hours in dot dot dot. And in the show, it's a, it's a show from Channel 4, technically not available anywhere here, but I found all the episodes on YouTube, so um, they're there. You can, you can watch them. I came across it by actually a clip of it. So basically what the setup of this is, is Richard Iowati spends 48 hours with some celebrity or minor celebrity in a vacation destination. Uh, first episode I saw was... Uh, Paul Rudd in Helsinki. Uh, it's it's great. It's a lot of the episodes kind of depend on the chemistry with him and his guests, but generally his guests are pretty good. Um, Richard Iowate, of course, of uh, IT crowd fame. I think he wrote all of uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Um, also directed a couple films that I I really love. But um, he's got a real sort of you know he I think he fits in with sort of this nerd chic. Um, of, of, you know, some Batman nerds. Also, he uses a whole, I mean, his scripts are jam packed with alliteration. So that was what really like made me say, okay, I can, I can recommend this. This guy's pretty good. Um, uh, but I, I got started watching it because it's, you know, they're, they're just going around, you know, they're half hour episodes going around places and they're small segments. So with a crying baby, it's been really easy to watch a little bit, pause, watch a little bit, pause, um, episodes I would recommend just to check it out. See if you like it. Uh, Paul Rudd and Helsinki, Chris O'Dowd, who was his co-star in the it crowd. You also might recognize him from like bridesmaids. Uh, they go to Vienna. Uh, Rebel Wilson, they had a Christmas special, which is actually the only hour long episode that they shot in Florence, but they shot it in October and, and draw your attention to the fact that it is not Christmas in Florence. Like they'll go to places where there are Christmas things and they'll be like, well, this square would be filled with things, but it's October. So it's not. 
And then they get people to, you know, chant, chant Merry Christmas with them in, in restaurants and um, a, a whole a whole lot of fun. And it's a it's it's the type of thing that you could watch a little bit of and then walk away and then watch a little bit more. Um, so look for it on on YouTube. There's 16 episodes. And one one final thing. I love his catchphrase in this uh, as, as he introduces uh, sort of what the city is uh, just before they get into the show. He says, we're here. But should we have come? He has this whole apprehension about like. I'm glad you said that because I was looking at it as like Paul Rudd and Helsin- Helsinki as a vacation destination. <laughs> well, so the the original idea was sort of like European like places you could travel for the weekend, mm. um, and and that's why it's a 48 hour. But as he's as it's gotten bigger and he's gotten you know people like Paul Rudd and Rebel Wilson, he'll say, "Oh well, this is only a you know scant two hour flight." But for my guest, it was 19 hours from Los Angeles <laughs> or, or whatever. Um, he goes he goes to Moscow. He goes to uh, Istanbul. A lot of a lot of fun places to. Um, sort of see, and I, I love his, his perspective on it. Just his, his wit is great and dry yeah. and, um, and sort of in a, in a old Adam Westian, um, sort of, sort of style. So that's how I'm going to, going to, uh, tie this in. That is travel man on YouTube or channel four. If you're listening overseas. Also, uh, I ought directed one of my favorite episodes of community. I don't know if you knew that, uh, yes. critical film studies. With yeah, the, 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 the pulp, the pulp episode, fiction, right? Yeah. Oh uh, wait, no, that's not a- pulp fiction uh, slash my dinner with Andre. Is that the I? For some reason, I thought that he did the foosball one with uh, with uh, Nick. Uh, what's his face? No, no, uh, the, the German foreign exchange student. Nope, just critical film studies. That's actually that's a really really great episode, and actually to uh, kind of tie in with uh, some of the talk of, of nerd rage, a lot of people got really pissed off at this episode because they pitched it the entire week leading up to it as the Pulp Fiction episodes coming, the Pulp Fiction episodes coming. And instead of being a Pulp Fiction episode, it turned into a My Dinner with Andre episode where the Pulp Fiction episode never happened. I I remember Dan Harmon's tweet before it was just like, this is either going to be the best episode or I'm fired, (laughs) (laughs) which was not, not true. It, it it was a good year before he was fired (laughs) and then rehired again and then refired. (laughs) All right. Well, that is a wrap for another episode of War Starts at Midnight. Find us online at warstartsatmidnight.com for show notes, fantasy movie league recaps, and a lot more, including my list of Batman ranked from best to worst. Or say hello on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at WSAMPod. And Joey, do you have anything that you want to plug? Yeah, go ahead and follow me. Uh, Actually, if you just want to go to my website, it's joeydale.com. And what will we find at joeydale.com? A lot of great stuff. Just check it. Click on it. So what, what, what kind of stuff you... uh? You do like art, or you? Uh... It's it's art. It is a form of art. Okay. It's oh. uh, it's it's some big band. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Just you know. Uh. Yeah. Go ahead and log on. <laughs> log on. Log on. Log on. Again, that's www.joeydale.com. All right, folks. I'll I'll put that in the show notes as well. <laughs> All right. If you enjoy the show, rate and subscribe to it on iTunes or wherever you get the podcast. It'll help us grow the Midnight Warrior Clan, and it'll make you feel awesome. On the other hand, if you're the trolling type who's simply hate listening through these credits, go ahead and tell us everything we got wrong at hello at warstartsmidnight.com. Or if you're a narcissist who just loves hearing your voice, or your voice as you play Doug Benson playing Tom Hardy playing Bane, leave us voicemail and see if we play it. Just ring that bright red telephone at 484-424-6362. The War Starts at Midnight theme song was produced by Justin Streck. The spoiler alert theme song is by The Taylor Machine. Check them out at facebook.com slash the taylor machine. 
And shout out to Sam Means for the featured music on this week's show. Find out more at sammeansmusic.com. Join us in another fortnight as we discuss the R-rated Marvel mutant movie, Logan. Thanks for listening, folks. Tweet, tweet on the street. Iron Man sucks. thing i was gonna say tied in with the uh, arrested development references I, when the when the i forgot what the song was that they cut to when it's him being all mopey why they didn't cut to oh. hello darkness my old friend oh <laughs> i thought about that too that's, actually that's great but actually i and i forgot to to mention this i love the fa- it's one by nilson that's what which it is three dog night is the one that made it famous but it's a nilson version i love the fact that there is a nilson song in a kid's lego Batman movie. Nielsen? Harry Nielsen? Uh, you probably know him from Coconut. Uh, oh, okay. Nielsen Schmilson. Uh, son of Schmilson. My name's Troy McClure. Little Touch of Schmilson. You may remember <laughs> me from such videos. <laughs> Little Touch of Schmilson in the Night. Um, he also had you know, albums that didn't have Schmilson in the <laughs> title. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but Harry Nielsen, uh, he's amazing. He actually had a children's movie himself that I almost, I considered... Uh, recommending called the point it's weird <laughs> um it's like a 70s like but it's a kids movie yeah it's a kids movie weird. um he he made a dracula movie with ringo star called <laughs> the son of dracula um <laughs> Yowza. uh he he made an album with uh john lennon in the uh, uh lost weekend is there a quick Pul- way to check Pul- your Pul- show Pul- notes yeah. to see if I've done Arkham, uh, yeah. Arkham, the Phantom, Mask of the Phantasm? Yeah.